You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside where it's still all a show. I'm your host, Justin M. Lezneski, the hopeful romantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show. I'd also like to retroactively apologize for my audio over the past few episodes and or this entire season. Uh, it's been clipping pretty badly, at least to my ears, and I would assume to the ears of people who've been listening for the entire run of the show. Uh, you heard the difference in the distortion at the top end. Uh, I've been trying to figure it out. I finally figured it out, so hopefully it sounds a lot better this episode. But this is what happens with all of these automatic updates. I don't know if you all are like me out there, like when there's the red notification bubble on your iPhone, it bugs the crap out of you. right? Like right now it says I have six apps that need to be updated on my iPhone. Uh, I don't do automatic updates. I mean, I updated the apps yesterday. Now there's six more. But the reason I don't do the automatic updates is exactly the, the, the is exactly shown by the clipping of my audio where I didn't change any of the settings. I've been using the same settings for years, literally, because if you find a process that works, keep doing it. So I would just open the project for the prior week and save as. So the only thing different I can think of think of is that the updates by Mac, which they constantly push to my MacBook, change the settings. So I don't know what you guys are, what you guys think about with this constantly updating the apps. I get it. You know, on iPhones, it's always like bug improvements, blah, blah. And I'm like, how many bugs are there in your program that you have to constantly update it? But I get it. The constant improvement, right? Get a little bit better every day is important. But why do they have to change our settings when they update apps? How often do you update your apps? I don't know if you're on the same level as I am where you just wait. I can get there and it'll say like 60 apps need to be updated. Uh, actually, you know what? Let's let's ask William the same question. Joining me this trip from Dale's Lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Hello, hello. Uh, I... Being a security person, I am the first to update every damn thing, bugs and all. Now, I'll be the first to rage with you on changing settings during updates, because uh, that that's that bugs the crap out of me too. Um, it it's like it's almost like you're doing bug fixes, but then you're introducing bugs with your bug fixes. It's never a good sign. That's poor poor engineering. I mean, would that even be defined as a bug at that point? Do you- <laughs> Like, let, let me ask you this. So what essentially happened is there's a knob or a slider in GarageBand that controls the level that your audio records at. And for some reason, mine had got turned all the way up. I have it now dropped to about 75%. I never adjusted that all the way up. Why would you, when you're updating the app, and I say app is an application, right? Updating yep. the program. Why would you make it so that recording level goes all the way up. That makes no sense to me. It has to be an unintentional consequence of changing the code elsewhere, doesn't it? Uh, yes, or it could be one of those things where Apple wants the default to be 100%, and 
in case someone can't find that setting and then they would return their Mac because it's not recording. Oh, so as always, the problem is stupid people. Yes. The problem is when we design everything for the lowest common denominator. Yeah. Yeah. But couldn't you then, let me put it this way. Couldn't you then write into your code that for any new program, right? For any new, so sorry, project. For any new project, it the slider automatically gets put up to 100. But for any project that currently exists, the, it stays the same level. Yeah, that would require engineering and testing. So, oh, so then it's about speed. So they're just trying to get out the updates as out. quickly as possible. Yeah, get it out the door. Oh, so we're, what you're se- telling me is we are the ever-existing, all what's the word? We're the beta testers at all times. Yes. In the world of software, the users are the are the beta testers. So everything is beta. Even though they tell us it's not beta, everything is beta. Yeah, yeah. They should have used the chat GPT, right? You know what you should be? There's a drop you should be hitting right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Follow the science? You can't find it? <laughs> no, the don't be a beta. Never be a beta oh, drop. Okay. <laughs> never be a beta. Just never, ever do it. It is death. Except for in software. And we're all betas. <laughs> Except we're all betas. Uh, something else I wanted to touch on with you, William, before we get uh, started here on all the other farces. Trump was finally indicted. Finally. I know. But where's the frog march to the to the building? That hasn't happened yet. I think I think that uh, I think that if they it's federal, so they always do the frog march when they arrest him. Um, I think when they do the frog march, that should be the B-roll of every single one of his campaign ads, right? Like, look at me being persecuted. I think it's, uh, it's turning the victim, uh, making him this, uh, the main character of the election already. They've, they, this is the biggest screw up I think they, they're going to do is, uh, just make him the main character of the, of the election, even before the primary begins. Well, do you think it's possible they're not going to do that walk for that reason? No, no, they can't help themselves. Federal prosecutors see it as an intimidation tactic. It's one of the things I think Mark Garagos points out. Like the state, they don't do this, you know, very often, but for almost, it's, it's something like 80 or 90% of all, um, n- newsworthy, um, uh, federal prosecutions, they always do the frog march. Yeah. And the whole victim thing you were referring to, it's something I'm sure we've pointed out before, but isn't it funny how the right, says they're against victim culture and then they play this whole card of oh we're the victim of the media and everything yeah yeah well and i think they don't do it they seem to do it half-heartedly in some cases and then in other cases they react just like the social justice warriors but that's because of their i I think it's because of their religious background right it's the it's the the reagan mixing of the um um more laissez-faire conservatives with the uh, religious conservatives and when the religious right. conservatives, that's built into their religion, right? Yeah. And then you add in the, the Trump leftism, right? Because Trump's yep. a New York leftist, and that's how you end up with Donald Trump. So we'll see if he gets his walk. Uh, you know, hopefully he doesn't. I don't really want to see Wearing that. Wearing a nice but... red power tie. <laughs> God. It's like, you can't write this stuff, man. And, and speaking of what you can't write, I mean, I think this entire week... I think there's a lot of controversial farce from this past week, but I mm-hmm. think it's stuff you couldn't write. And it's all all the stuff we've been dealing with 
and we're going to continue to deal with. So let's get into it in Life on the Midside. As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. That's the midside.com slash Patreon or the midside.com slash Locals. We accept any and all support, including and perhaps most, perhaps most of all, affirmations. All right, William, before we get into the really juicy social justice stuff, uh, we're going to have an edition of the most magical farce on earth. And I kind of wish we had a sound effect for it. Like, this is what I'm picturing. And, and tell me if you agree or not. I'm it's picturing like sort of... This? Floor ever purge. That's what not the, bad. Or what about the Florida Freedom Drop? Play that I one. I urge all of you living in Florida to join the fight. Or join us in California, where we still believe in freedom. <laughs> freedom of speech. Freedom to choose. Freedom from hate. And the freedom to love. Don't let them take your freedom. <laughs> While you're playing that, this is something I mentioned pre-show, but for all the listeners, my wife has been visiting her, her parents in California. It was her dad's birthday, so she flew back. And one of her uh, aunts, her tias, is visiting from the Philippines. So, so she went back to L.A. And, and right before she got on the plane to come back here, she said the pilot said uh, that I'm trying to pull it up. He said... They're leaving the happiest place on earth to go to the slightly happiest place on earth. And that just reminded me of that ad by Gavin Newsom. It's hard to believe that people actually yeah, buy into this. People in California, like, you know, I, I think this is true. Let's be honest. This is true in most states. It's just. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, you know, I, I remember being staggered by how many people I met in Baltimore that were Maryland natives, um, especially like. Not necessarily in the city, because there's a lot of transplants in the city of Baltimore, but like uh, around the city in the suburbs, even down in Annapolis, who had never left Maryland before. Maryland's yeah. not that big of a state, right? Like, well, well, <laughs> let's 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 be let's be real for a second here, William. Throughout history, mobility is a sign of affluence. True. So let let's let's not forget that, and let's not forget that. You know, in all the discussions of, you know, how poor America is and how there are so many poor people, right, alongside our color TVs and our iPhones, mobility has increased for the majority, for all Americans, in a way it's never existed throughout the history of the world, right? I mean, that's one of the things people talk about when they talk about people on airplanes and the way they dress, right? Because everyone can get on airplanes now, people just dress like they would normally, right? It's not like a thing you pay a crap load of money for, so you put on a nice suit anymore. It's affordable mm, for it's everyone. Everyone event. can... Yeah. yeah, it's it's not an event. Look at Spirit Airlines, right? Look at Frontier. Everyone can afford it now. Now, your experience on Spirit or Frontier is crap, but you're still able to fly, right? But here's the thing with what you're saying. I agree completely with what you're saying, right? Because most people don't leave where they're from. However, here is the difference, or let me, actually, I'm going to couch it as a question. When you were in Baltimore, did you obsessively hear about other cities and states? Or was it just, oh, we live in Baltimore, we live in Maryland, we like it here? 
Yeah, it was it was the, it was the latter. It was not at no point were people like itching to go to New York and live there or you know, at least natives, right? Or I'm but, not even talking about itching to live somewhere else. Play the drop again. Play the do some drop. I urge all of you living in Florida to join the fight or join us in California, where we still believe in freedom, freedom of speech, freedom to choose, freedom from hate, and the freedom to love. Don't let them take your freedom. Literally, the amount of messaging in California, and I know because I live there, that is talking about Florida all the time is more than in any other state. Yeah. So it's not like they only know California, so they think California is the best. They're literally almost obsessed with Florida there. Am I wrong? No, I think you're 100% right. Uh, there was a great video I watched this week by a YouTuber called What If Alt Hist. Um, and he was talking about how right now our culture is dominated by the West Coast sort of tech bro, um, you know, fallout, right? That culture. And one of the things he pointed out was that uh, the the up and coming dynamism of, of culture is coming from the Gulf states. So think like Florida, Texas, you know, that sort of area, right? That that's where Louisiana the next, uh, do, yeah. do not do yeah, not Louisiana sleep too. on Louisiana. Yeah. Everyone um, sleeps maybe, on Louisiana. Maybe, don't do maybe it. Maybe Mississippi. I, I don't know if we have any Mississippi listeners out there, but I hear it's pretty rough in Mississippi still. But uh, <laughs> but that whole area is really starting to have more and more cultural re- relevance, and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, that another another indicator for me is where are the biggest like Bitcoin like dynamism meetups, uh, apps being developed, that sort of stuff. It's like Austin and like Miami, right? Like it's it's not it's not Silicon Valley. Yeah, Austin and Miami, which still, unfortunately, are, are leftist hellholes or yeah. overly expensive because that's where all the leftists are in, in the, the, the states, right? In Texas, they're all in Austin and Florida, they're all in Miami. Although, I say that, but Miami swung right, be, swung red because of the Cubans, right? So there's yeah. it's, it's yeah. more complex than that. Yep. Returning, though, let's let's circle back here a little bit. I like your idea with the drops. What I was thinking is like maybe somewhere we can mash that up with the um you know the the sound effect from when they had the disney movie of the week on abc or whatever okay. and it's like tinkerbell with her wand and it, it like you know it was like the sound of the sparkle you yeah, know what i'm talking yeah. about yeah with the music whatever i don't get what do you wish music, upon a star right? i think is the music yep is that what the music okay uh, it's and a, then it's an it right yeah. after she does that Maybe hit floor like you do that end of the music, then you hit forever purge, and then okay. there's the Mickey laugh where it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? All right, I'll get out, I'll get on that this week, and uh, and uh, we'll see we'll see what I can come up with. I'm no Dawson, but uh, I think I can I think I can. Can do you that. hear the concept I'm thinking of though? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, as part of the forever purge is the ongoing battle between Disney and DeSantis. So. Mm-hmm. As we know, this sort of battle about the Reedy Creek Improvement District, which was the sort of tax shelter for Disney or sort of the government shelter. And what I mean by that is it allowed Disney on Disney property to do whatever they wanted without any oversight. This was something that DeSantis was trying to take away because Disney spoke out against the parental rights and education bill because of the pressure from their cast members and, you know, the general leftist bent to cancel culture and social media. And what they were doing was creating a board in which 
uh, Florida would now have oversight over Disney in a new way. Right now, William, we previously discussed this. This is so interesting because this is sort of like right in the crosshairs of, um, I don't want to say crosshairs, cross crossroads, crossroads of everything we talk about and sort of the difficulties of these issues, because I think we sort of agree with both sides. Yeah. And and what I mean by that is speaking for myself, like I think, and we'll get into this a little bit more with like Tennessee's bill, right? Or no, was it no Kentucky's, sorry, Kentucky's bill, right? Tennessee had the shooting, Kentucky had the bill, right? With, uh, uh, by the way, William, exactly what I just said. Right. You just talked about the Gulf states. How about mm-hmm. everything is happening all in the South right now? Right. Yeah. Isn't that more evidence of what you were just saying? Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, you know, we'll get into a little bit more. But like, I think everything DeSantis is trying to do and, and the Republicans are trying to do with public education in Florida to try and protect from activism in the classroom, I think is smart. And I think it's necessary now as Daniel you know, Daniel C. Richards, former co-host of the show, would remind us the issue overall co-host is, of course, emeritus. co-host emeritus would, of course, remind us the issue is public education in general. Yep. But the triage the Republicans are doing, I get it makes sense. But at the same time, the Reedy Creek Improvement District is an example of preserving the free market and freedom for the Disney Corporation, which allowed Orlando and Florida to become the state it is. Mm-hmm. So going against it and overriding it is something that I expressed disagreement with, and I think you did as well. Yes, William. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 the same. It's the same issue when we're dealing with education, like you pointed out. We sh- we we need to re- we need to uh, reject uh, education, separate ec- uh, uh, education and state, right? And then the same principle applies here with with Disney. I don't have a problem. I I I understand the logic, right, from a triage perspective, like you said for for uh, education. Um, there's a logic here in saying like, Hey, if you're, you know, if you're going to be actively hostile towards, uh, something that has public support and, uh, in, in this way, why are we giving you special privileges that, right. that makes sense on, at a triage perspective, but from the principal perspective, like, yeah, I don't want them to take away, like Disney should be able to speak for or against any sort of thing that they want. Um, including the, these religious stuff. Now, I will point out that they're wrong, and the social justice religion is evil, and uh, and and all those things. But that, that as long as we both have the freedom to speak, then that's fine. Right. Exactly. I mean, clearly, that's the other thing that complicates this. Like we've spoken out many times against things like Disney's new animated film, Strange World, where all of their stuff has more leftist woke messages in it. And before you complain, go back and listen to the prior episode. We did define woke and what it means. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is what makes it so interesting, right? This is what yeah. makes it the most magical farce on Earth. It's not just a play on Disney. It's a play on, hey, this is literally the cultural crossroads. So further um, movement on this issue this week. The- well, well, one thing, one thing I want to say, I have a suggestion for Ron DeSantis to do instead of... Uh- dealing with this stuff that we're going to talk about in a second what they should do is uh you know you know where universal is right and their whole complex there they should uh, create an improvement district for universal yeah that's a whole other controversy privileges uh as disney well that's a whole other controversy uh you know about the high-speed rail here yeah yeah i hear it's doing pretty well from what i hear yeah it's almost done the high-speed rail from miami to orlando is almost done 
However, Disney had made a deal with Brightline, a private company, and Disney's a private company, to build along a certain route and go directly into Disney Springs. However, Universal, using residents who lived in the area the train was going to go through, leveraged the government to get rid of that route and start planning a new route because they said that that route was an unfair competitive advantage. So I'm not going to sit here and have sympathy for Universal, who is then trying to leverage the government to stop Disney from doing what it wanted to do freely. I didn't know that. And that sucks because the whole reason why the private train is so profitable and and doing so well and probably will continue to do so well is that unlike Amtrak in the United States, the stops and the train and the speed and everything else isn't determined by politics. I mean, look at the mess that the high-speed rail is in, in California. Justin, I have, a, I have a prediction. I will die before the California high-speed rail project finish finishes, but I probably will still be going to uh, computer security conferences once the Brightline Vegas to California finishes. That's oh, certainly. If, that's, I if, mean... that's if the uh, government doesn't block it, right? Like, I, that's a wild card, right? Maybe Gavin Newsom or whoever the next Democrat governor will be will try and block it but yeah i mean look there is the issue of public land and private land that needed to be negotiated with the florida state government Mm -hmm. but the reason bright line in florida worked is because government in florida made the decision to get out of the train way trains way rather than to get involved now unfortunately in the orlando area which is more leftist right it's one of the bluest orlando itself is one of the bluest areas in the state now they're getting involved with it which well, is why I, I who knows what, what, is it the my is it the Miami airport or the Orlando airport that the train st- is station is in the airport like well that's what, what? I'm saying so yeah, amazing my, right like it, it right. makes a ton of sense dude they would never do that here at LAX you're gonna have to right. take a train and a bus before you can get anywhere close to the Amtrak station here right right they built a whole new terminal here and the yeah. train goes from Miami right into Orlando and the the plan was to go right from the Orlando airport straight west. To Disney Springs, because it's a pretty clear... I mean, if you look at where I live, I mean, now, if you really want to dox me, Reddit, go ahead. But um, if you look at where I live, if you go from the airport and go west, my place is in between Disney and the airport. It's just a straight line. That's part of why I picked to live where I live, right? If you can live near uh, entertainment, work, the highway, and an airport... You have everything you need in life, right? So I, I decided to live in a place where it's it's all right there. It's it's a super straight shot either way. And the train was going to go that way, right? So yeah, it, it was beautifully designed because of that. Now with what you're saying, William, I don't know if I'll be alive by the time the train from because there's the idea was to go from Orlando all the way west to Tampa with a stop in Disney Springs. I don't know if I'm ever going to see that built now. I might die before that's built because of government getting involved in how do you get through Orlando. And think about that. There's a greater distance from Orlando to Tampa than there is from the Orlando airport to Disney and Universal. Yet that's going to take longer to fight through how to build it than it is from Orlando to Tampa. Now, of course, people are going to reply that's where more people are, but it's really the government involvement. Yep. Okay, circling back, right? This again, I will repeat this one more time. This is why this is interesting. See all of the issues that are involved when we get at something that's at the crossroads of our culture. 
So this past week, the Reedy Creek Improvement District finally became the Central Florida Tourism Oversight District Board. Ron DeSantis appointed five people to be on that board and have oversight over Disney's area of operation, formerly known as the as Reedy Creek. I don't know if it's still known as Reedy Creek. However, what they discovered is Disney had passed a rule that severely limited their powers. So Disney's lawyers did something, and you know we can discuss the morality of it, that essentially limits their powers, we'll say, for like 100 years. One of the board members said the following, I can't tell you the level of my disappointment in Disney. I thought so much better of them. This essentially makes Disney the government. This board loses, for practical purposes, the majority of its ability to do anything beyond maintain the roads and maintain basic infrastructure. Now, first of all, I hear that and I go, part of what I love about the Disney World Resort is like the roads and infrastructure make so much sense and are so well maintained. And I hope that isn't lost because now government has oversight over that. But the other half I hear is, I think it's absolutely hilarious, a government official complaining that somebody else gets to be the government. And essentially, them being the government means they have autonomy. It doesn't make them the government. Yeah, it means they have autonomy over their land. I think that's hilarious. What do you think? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's uh, we'll never reach peak farce, but uh, this is certainly uh, uh, getting into that that category of farce. Because yeah, imagine imagine a world where private citizens can decide uh, to to do their own thing on their own land. What what? That's so disappointing. Justin in America, isn't it? I know. It's like, what was this country founded on? So what's interesting is what Disney did, right? And it's crazy to see what they did exactly. So right before the handover happened and the new law passed, you know, the new law took effect, they essentially made a declaration, right? And it it was a declaration about the, the rules of the current board, that the rules of the current board, the current board being the Reedy Creek Improvement District, couldn't be violated by any government. Right? And they, they did it based upon this weird clause. It says, this declaration shall continue in effect until 21 years after the day, death of the last survivor of the descendants of King Charles III, King of England, living as of the date of this declaration. So apparently, like... King Charles III has like a great grandkid who was just born, who's like one years old. So essentially, there's a law in America that I didn't know existed that you can keep things the way they are in contracts until um, a person who's alive dies. You name that person, right? So Disney's essentially making a bet here. They're making a bet that the last survivor of the descendant of King Charles III, King of England, will live for a very, very long time. And that way it will preserve what they have as they have it. So now they can build without restriction. So say they want to build a fifth park. They will not have to go and get approval from the state of Florida to build that fifth park where they would have had to do that. It's really obscure. It's really weird. Again, I'm not a legal scholar, so I don't know all the details of this, but I think it's hilarious. Disney found this really obscure rule, and this is kind of like a TV show, William. I mean, couldn't a true believer go and try and assassinate the the descendants 
of King Charles III now <laughs> in order to nullify this agreement and give power to the oh, the uh, Central Florida Tourism Oversight District Board. Yeah. This is this is a making of a Disney spy movie. That's what I'm saying. So I, I don't know. I, I found this incredibly interesting how this like keeps getting more complex and like. And then, then I have the other question, right? Like, I'll be dead at this point, obviously, unless we somehow, like, AI figures out a way to, like, preserve my brain, like, in Futurama or something. Or, you know, maybe I become, like, Madame Leola in the Haunted Mansion and I'm inside, like, a crystal ball. My head's inside a crystal ball. But, or maybe I really do become the thousandth, the thousandth, the thousandth, wow, I can't say that word. Thousandth haunt of the Haunted Mansion. Um, I'll be dead, but... What happens in a hundred years? Like, does government does Disney just acquiesce the power over to Florida at that point? <laughs> well, I doubt DeSantis will be around to care. So who knows? Well, right, that's the thing. None of us will care, and that's really why these people are mad on the board, right? Like, imagine yeah. being the guy that DeSantis is like, "You five will get to control Disney," and then Disney is like, "Not so fast." How much? You know, how much? Like, talk about a television show. How much must this little government bureaucrat be upset? <laughs> that he lost control over Disney. He needs wider powers, Justin. Man, all I get to do goes home to his wife. Man, all I get to do is control the roads and infra- basic infrastructure in Disney, like the electrical system and the sewers. I thought I was going to be able to affect the way they built their fifth park. Like, how pathetic is that? Yeah, pretty pathetic. All right, and I also don't know if there's a fifth park being built. I'm just assuming once Epic Universe comes out, Universal's third park, Disney's going to have to escalate too. So, all right. I, I was going to say, speaking of escalation, but I don't really know how escalation transitions into the next story. William, you shared a story about um, how the left and the social justice always eats itself, or, you know, to continue with the, uh, the religious metaphor, right? You can never be pious enough. Yes. You, there yeah. will always be a reason for you to be a sinner. And you saw this happening at NPR this week, and you shared that story. Yeah, this is a great story. So uh, it's from Bloomberg. Tensions flare inside NPR after staff layoffs in town halls. And this article is great, uh, Justin, because it, it basically is a purity spiral struggle session. So here is NPR, uh, like most of the media, um, suffering from you know massive losses. Uh, they've got all these podcasts that with high production costs that don't have any listeners. Um, and so they have a town hall and, uh, I want to read a little bit of it because I think it's really interesting. So just to give a little bit of context. So, uh, they've, uh, uh, they've had to cut a bunch of podcasts. They fired a bunch of staff. And so in the struggle session, they start, uh, wait, are we okay? Yeah. They can't affect us, right? I don't think so. I don't think, uh, I think we're, we're not part of the NPR's uh, podcast network, but I guess we wouldn't know because one of the things they brought up in the st- struggle session is, uh, for these podunk, uh, podcasts with less listeners than us, they're like, how can we grow an audience if we don't have, that's marketing? not possible. Fewer <laughs> Justin, listeners do, than where's us. Our marketing department. That's what I want to know. Um, <laughs> it's, it's the tell, tell a female friend, right? That's our marketing department. Yes. Um, so talk to so, the girls on my team. So who don't know are. my podcast exists. <laughs> so here's how. Here's the you know. Uh, imagine the, the the business model is crumbling. They're struggling to get listeners, and this is what the employees are worried about. So, um, and now we're going to the article. The individual then asked, "How would NPR make diversity work essential?" Lansing, the CEO, replied that all of the organization's programming should be relevant to all of America, a stated mission for NPR. After he replied, um, 
Uh, the group needed, he said the group needed to turn down the rhetoric and not call executives out by name in all hands with hundreds of attendees. I would never ever on your worst day call you out by name in a meeting with 827 people. Let's keep this in mind. Nobody is happy about this. Nobody's, uh, and anyway, he talks about that. Um, some employees interpreted this as tone policing and felt uncomfortable. Justin, I've been in this kind of situation where people are being abusive towards people who they see as having a power in a workplace environment. And I've been told I was tone policing too. So that's, that's part of it that struck me in this article. Like I've been in this situation and I felt uncomfortable, not in the way these people say like, Oh, we're tone, you're, how dare you tone police us in the other way saying like, Hey, we're all here for the same mission. We're all talking about the same thing. Why are, you know, we, we don't do this in other meetings. Why is it okay to be, uh, so, uh, so rude and, uh, and, um, uh, combative in a town hall like what gives you the like why is it okay to mob someone in this meeting and not in any other meeting in a business environment right um, well it's not it's it's, it's it, i think it has something to do with the uh perception of the political process and yeah. what i mean by that is briefly i don't know if anyone remembers but i remember right pepperidge farm remembers i worked uh for the state of california for the department of transportation as a public information officer and that meant holding these sort of meetings about upcoming projects. And it's exactly what you just said, dude. There was one particular meeting. And I remember because uh, it was really bad because it was held in a uh, sort of like a clubhouse with no air conditioning or anything. So, of course, I have to wear like a, a button up shirt and a tie. And I just remember like I was yelled at by people of. And I don't say this to be elitist. However, I say this to characterize the people comparatively. I hope anyone who knows me knows that, like, I try and treat everyone as equally as possible. However, if you prove yourself to be low class and low intelligence and you start yelling at me, like, usually I would just leave, right? Because I don't want to yell back. I don't like that's not a good behavior. However, I had to just sit there and take it while people were yelling at me. Like, they were complaining about how they didn't know about the project. They didn't know about the meeting and certain people were getting social media posts and they weren't. And, you know, I tried to explain to them the way the back end works of the purchasing social media ads. Right. And they were like, Oh, well we're within that area and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, they were angry and they just took it as because it's called a town hall or a public meeting, this is their chance to take their anger out on other people. So I think it's as much yeah. William about the concept of the democratic process than anything. Yeah. And to me, it's, it seems like, uh, it seems like a, a complete context dropping, right? So here, here, the CEO is trying to have a town hall, which, you know, I'm not super sympathetic with NPR, but Hey, they've got a business to run. Um, and here's the response. They immediately, the, the, these employees, after this meeting where he calls for people to behave civilly, like, first of all, Justin, 20 years ago, if you stood up and yelled at your CEO and uh, used this kind of tone and, like, called executives out by name, do you think you'd have a job before the town hall ended? No, before you even finished that sentence, when you were, like, three words you'd in, I was like, you're fired. Out. Yeah, you'd be you're escorted fired. out. Like, no, this but is now, not professional yeah, but that's It's not no, about, and it's not even about power, right? This is just... This is a professional environment. We are professionals, right? Right. But the part of the problem is, look who the, the phrase you're fired is associated with in common culture no, that's now. That's true. We can't fire anyone anymore because of Donald Trump. 
That's a right. good point. But anyway, they immediately took to Zoom and called Lansing's response racist. Of course, it's the R word and out of line. Another staff member dropped a link to a segment from NPR Code Switch titled When Civility is Used as a Cudgel Against People of Color. Quote, civility is a weapon wielded by the powerful, one person wrote, according to screenshots by Bloomberg. So, Justin, let's zoom out because there's so much farce here. This is a struggle session. They're treating this like these are these are children crying about reality. And just when a, someone's there to give them information, that's what a town hall is about, right? It's about broadcasting information, refocusing people on the mission. That That's what the, the purpose of a town hall in a work environment is for. It is not a chance for people to bring up useless things about diversity when the business is literally failing. And so I, I want to connect this to two things. First of all, like I already kind of mentioned my experience where I was in this exact position and and called out this bad behavior and i was told i was using civility as a weapon this is exactly the same um uh 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 thing i was disciplined for right i was in trouble for doing this for asking people to be civil and stop mobbing people um including uh people who are leaders in, in the company um but secondly i think this recession we've already started to see it a lot of these uh uh, diversity, inclusion, uh, and equity people are being fired. Why? Because they're useless. They're not doing any work. They're not, they're not contributing to the bottom line. And for the, for, for people who are remaining at the company to be asking, well, why, where did our religion, where did the monks go? Why are you firing the monks? We need the monks, right? We need these religious monks around doing nothing. It, it it's, it, the for whoever are those people that are doing that, they're going to be the next in line to get fired because clearly they're not doing anything either. If they needed those religious monks to be around, um, I think the recession may call a lot of uh, there might be a lot of DEI uh, uh, resumes out on LinkedIn here soon, um, even more than normal, because this can't this can't continue. Right. You're you're literally going to run your business into the into the ground doing this. What do you think, Justin? Yeah, so. You've hit on something that is so challenging and it's, it's challenging to talk about. It's challenging to deal with because believe it or not, this is actually something I deal with in school. Now, let me explain what I mean. First of all, I want to say that I think your premise is completely correct, that ultimately this will cause a collapse. And what I mean by that is exactly what you said. They don't do anything. DEI people, uh, what is diversity, what does the E stand for? Equity Equity and inclusion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Notice how they didn't make it die, D-I-E, diversity, inclusion, and equity, although perhaps we should start calling them that. Some people do. I think we need to start doing that. I think we need to because I think it's it's quite clever, right? So the the D-I-E people, right? And now this is where it gets difficult, Because there's so much about race involved in this, William. And I'm going to explain to you how it gets really, really difficult on a really visceral experiential level in in a couple seconds. And I'm going to tell you that I'm feeling it in my stomach right now. Like, I'm not even going to lie to you. Let me ease you into it by saying, don't worry, in this meeting, they they, they brought up not the levels of people, the racial breakdown of the people in the company. They want to know the racial levels of the people uh, uh, being exited from the company. So what, what percents? (laughs) They were more worried about that. (laughs) But this is the problem, William. This is where I agree with your premise. It's reality will always judge you. And what I mean by that is if you are not productive, 
your life will suffer. Straight up. That's just the way it is. Now, here's the problem. Me saying that would be considered by DIE people, that would be considered white supremacy. Yes. And the things that I have learned that have worked, that I have learned that have worked to have a successful, healthy life, a certain group of people, DIE people, would tell me that those things only work from my privileged white perspective. Right? I was told that wanting to keep a value of meritocracy was uh, was anti-gay. Meanwhile, right. this gay man, the only reason I got ahead in the world is because I sought out things that were as purely merit-based as I could. Okay. And you are my life preserver right now, William. All right. And I mean that quite literally, because what I'm about to say is very dangerous in cancel culture, right? Now, I'm going to say it because it's true, and I'm never going to be afraid of saying the truth. However, we apply these DIE ideas in a way that is racist, because these ideas are necessarily racist. The idea that all collect all gay people are the same way is collectivist. Yeah. The idea that all black people are the same way is collectivist. Now here's the racist part of it. The idea that civility is a white concept and putting that onto black people is oppressive is not racist to white people. It is racist to black people. And the reason I'm saying this is a visceral experience, a visceral experience that I am feeling right now in my stomach is I see this every day at school. You know how you just said that you get called not gay or anti-gay? Yeah. Now, I don't know if there are kids at my school who are called not black or anti-black, but I will tell you, it is not all of any one race. It is not all black people, but... There is a segment of kids you can see who their behavior is excused because they are black and they do act in a way that is very self-sabotaging. It's very unnecessarily aggressive towards themselves and others, right? They create conflicts where there are none, right? And on a one-on-one level, I try to talk to some kids and say, hey, you got to learn to let some things go. Everything doesn't have to be a fight. Everything doesn't have to be a conflict. Or, you know, in my room, I don't allow any use of the N-word by anyone with an E-R or an A. I don't allow it. I don't allow any use of any swear in my room. If you swear, you do 10 push-ups. If you don't, everyone laughs at you because you don't want to do 10 push-ups, right? I've created that environment. Now... What I just said would be considered white supremacy and would be considered oppressive to those people wanting to express themselves, right? Now, what I, and I want to be clear, I teach the kids, look, outside of this classroom, say whatever you want. What I am trying to teach you is the difference between using a word productively and unproductively. And these words are not used productively. There is a segment of people on the campus, and this is every race, that when they speak, every other word is the F word. Yeah. Every other word is insulting each other. And that's not productive conversation. That's not civil conversation. But if I were to point that out, I would be called a racist. Right? Similarly, there is a group of kids who every day after school, they make an announcement, morning announcements, afternoon announcements. After school, if you have practice, go to your practice. If you don't, go home. 
There is a group of kids who does neither. They don't go to practice. They don't go home. I have to walk by them or through them in order to get to practice and work with my girls who want to practice every day. William, do you think I fight that battle? <laughs> no. Of telling those kids where to go? No, it would be useless, right? Well, it'd be useless and dangerous. Every once in a while, I say, like, let me say, say this. Somebody showed me a video the other day of kids fighting in the hallway, in the gym hallway. And they were like, why would you show him that? He's just going to get them in trouble. Which, first of all, to me, that felt like a race-tinged comment. You get what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. oh, well, he's a white guy in power. He's going to get them in trouble. And I was like, first of all, I'm not going to get anyone in trouble. I just want to know what's going on in the gym because I'm a coach. And then somebody else said they were playing. So that day when I walked through the gym, there were two kids who looked like they were fighting. And people told me they were play fighting. And so you know what I said? I said, I don't care if you guys want a roughhouse. Take it outside. Right? Because... A, you're going to get hurt inside, and B, you're going to break something, right? Now, I didn't say that, but I just said take yeah. it outside. <laughs> but I just said it while I was walking by. Likewise, if I have to walk through the gym hallway and there's a large crowd, I'll say something. I'll be like, hey, guys, get out of the way. Like, hey, guys, can you know there are people coming to practice right now and you need to let them through? Because I have plausible deniability at that point where I can say I'm just saying it about the current moment. Yeah. But I will let you know, I do have legitimate fear of fighting that battle because it's a long-term battle of the same kids doing the same thing every day. And it's exactly what you just said here. It's the same civility issue where they would turn around and say it about me. Then I'm being oppressive and racist. If I'm saying, Hey, can we behave with a little more maturity and civility here? Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? It's the, uh, it's the low expectations, right? The secretary of low expectations. Yes. So it, it it's happening all over. I mean, it's just, it, it's so weird. And I think this goes into our next story, Yeah. right? It's so weird how we have double standards as far as what's considered okay. And it's based upon collective groups people belong to. And what I'm, of course, referring to is the, uh, the school shooting where there was a, a person who went into a elementary school in Tennessee and I believe three people were killed. Is that the correct number, William? Yeah. Now, this will also get people mad, right? Because remember my comment about COVID and the number of people. For anyone who says school shootings are really bad and they kill a high number of people, we have gotten so good at protecting against these events that for only three people to have died is a major, major victory. Do you agree or disagree, William? I agree. Okay. Now, that's tough to say because, yes, you know, as in Star Trek, right, any loss of life is unacceptable, right? We would like nobody to die from a school shooting. But that's the same thing I always say with, like, we're never going to get rid of poverty. We're never going to get rid of hunger, right? These things will always exist. If How many we children want... died in Chicago this weekend, I wonder, from murder? Right. Right. Exactly. If we want zero as the standard, that's an impossible standard. But the issue here is greater than that. First of all, we have the issue of this is a former student going back into this school, right? So this is a young adult, right? I think this person was 18 years old. How old was the shooter? Oh, I don't know. I'd have to look at the article. Yeah. Can you, uh, can you rule it while I'm talking? 
or, or yep. Google, yeah, you Google the name of the shooter or whatever. Yep. There's also something else I need you to help me with because I get very confused about the identity of the shooter, right? <laughs> but it says Hale attended the school as a child in 2005 and 2006. Okay. Now I'm going to read the rest of this sentence because this is where it gets really confusing. And identified as female during that time. As an adult, though, it appears Hale may not have identified as female. Hale's LinkedIn page, which has since been removed, states that Hale used he and him pronouns. So this, what adds to this, beyond the fact that this is someone going back to their school, right? I don't know about you, William, but I don't really have a desire to go back to, especially my elementary school, right? <laughs> I kind of want to go back to the high school now that I'm coaching to see, like, is the mat room still there or did they get rid of it? Cause I know, I, I know there wasn't a wrestling team for a long time and I believe there isn't now. And like, are the boards with my names still up, my name still up there for wrestling, right? To just kind of like reminisce cause now I'm actively involved in high school wrestling again. But beyond that, I, I don't want to go back to high school either, but I definitely want to go back to elementary school. So before we get into the, you know, the double standard issues and everything, how, like fixated or stuck does somebody have to be to want to and this sort of goes back to the mobility thing we were talking about about people being able to leave and you saying most people were from baltimore were from maryland right how stuck do you have to be to be at least 18 or older did you find out how old no i can't find the age it's weird the details of this are so obscured even in a red state right there's so much uh, misinformation. Like I, I don't have anything that I want to put my uh, put yeah. my name to. Yeah. So, oh, a 28 year old. Sorry, I just googled it. Audrey Hale, a 28 year old former Covenant. I'm still trying. I'm, I'm still shooter. trying to find out if it's if she was born female or born male. Yeah. Who killed six people at the school? Okay. So yeah. six people, not three. Okay. Still, six is a small number comparative to like Columbine, right? Or um. What was the the school that um, the the really tragic elementary school shooting? Oh, I remember right now. You got me doing too many things at once, Justin. Yeah, sorry. It's tough. It's tough. All the code switching we have to do in order to understand all of these things, which I think is why it's so difficult for people. Um, but yeah, how stunted you had to be to be twenty eight years old, William, and still thinking about and worrying about your elementary school. Doesn't that in itself signal some sort of mental health issue? Yeah, and I think that at least the Daily Beast was reporting that um, he or she, I don't know what we're supposed to use in this case, um, was being treated actively for an emotional disorder. So, like, yeah, it's uh, kind of confirmed at this point. Right. Now, I don't want to link that to being transgender, Right, I do. I don't. I'm not interested in that. Discussion. I do. Right. That, okay. I mean, go ahead. Hold on. It's by definition. It is. There's nothing. I'm not saying. That's like saying if somebody has anxiety. Uh, let me back up. Attributing it to attributing trans to a mental disorder is not necessarily a negative thing, right? And what I mean by that is we have lots. Like we have lots of things that have that carry no moral weight to that, right? If someone suffers from anxiety, that doesn't mean. Like, that doesn't impugn their character. Right, Justin? So yes. just saying, hey, you have gender dysphoria, that doesn't impugn your character. If you have if you have the flu, I don't think you're an immoral person. 
Now, I know with COVID, that uh, that changed, right? Like, uh, spreading COVID was a, a moral issue for some people. But this this is this is a thing like anything else uh medical right there's no like you don't you don't you don't get to be trans by being immoral right that's not how that works so saying it's it definitely is has men, a mental component is and a mental issue a mental illness is not not necessarily a bad thing now let me okay. say that's different than when homosexuality was considered a mental disorder it is different right um Can i don't want to explain how well, because we know we know by looking at uh, how sex is expressed biologically in other mammals, we see that, right? We see homosexuality. Calling it a mental disorder is the wrong is the wrong way to approach homosexuality because it's not it's not a it's not a medical issue like something like gender dysphoria is, right? Okay. Or, so you're or like defining disorder. Is. Right. You're defi- defining disorder as a medical issue. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because the, the other possible definition of disorder is there is a normal order to the psyche. And when something is not in that normal order, it is out of order. So therefore it is disordered. And yeah. you could argue the common, right, and normal, normal defined as common or most prevalent order of the human psychology is a straight sexuality and therefore homosexuality would be disordered in that way. But you're defining disordered as something that is uh, out of order to the point that it causes some sort of harm to the person who has it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and that there are some sort of medicalized, and I'm putting that in scare quotes, uh, treatment, right? There is, yeah. there are treatment options for gender dysphoria. Well, right? and the can, two, I mean, the two treatment options are uh, take some sort of pharmaceuticals in order to to deal with that, or to transition. Right? Yeah. Those are the or two. Psychotherapy. Cut, don't 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 right. leave that out. Right? Psychotherapy. Right. Like people, there there are lots of folks that suffer from gender dysphoria as in in their youth, and they do outgrow it. This is right. a fact so of therefore, that, that you're not allowed to say, right? So, right. And then we so also homosexuality. have homosexuality. We also have uh, what is it? Autogynephilia, right? Right. The it, so there's uh, there's uh, these are well documented, re- well researched things. At least they were until the gender ideology took over. Right. Now we're not okay. allowed to point any of these scientific facts out. So I'm going to come up with a better definition of disordered. Okay. All right. Tell me if you agree with this. Something that is disordered is something that you cannot simply sit static with. You have to take active, productive effort in order to stop it from harming your life. And what I mean by that is with homosexuality, all you have to do is, you know, if you have therapy, it's to deal with the cultural consequences or the social consequences upon you. It's not mm-hmm. you. You don't have to change being gay in order to be healthy in your life. Do you yeah. see what I'm saying? It's yep. the effects. Now, people are trying to draw that equivalency with being transgender, but your argument is that equivalency does not exist because if you were to simply exist in a state of nature, being transgender, there would be issues you would have to deal with. Yeah, yes, and I don't know. I, I I agree, and I don't know. I I think in this environment, this kind of research could not be done. But we already know there's yes. a strong, very strong correlation with gender uh, identity disorder and other uh, social uh, 
psychological issues, right? Like anxiety and, and narcissism. And, um, uh, there's even a correlation with, um, with, um, autism as well. So these are all things that, that are correlated with this, right? Is there a correlation with trauma as well? Because what I wonder, this is what I wonder. Well, there, William, there, right? there, there is, there is a, uh, there's, that's the same with homosexuality though, too. With right. trauma. But yeah, and th- these are these are things that would need to be researched, right? But with today's right. gender ideology environment, you can't do that, right? That, that, right. That, treating those things as looking at them objectively just cannot be done. Well, I mean, we're hitting a lot of hot button issues this episode, aren't we? Yeah, we're only halfway through. We haven't even got to the shooting yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think the response to the shooting is more interesting than the shooting. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you're saying. And okay, so I was I was being Dr. Drew. I was being a pussy, okay? All right, there is a mental component here, right? There is a link, right? Especially, and this is, actually, I think it speaks to what I was going to bring up here, right? The double standard here, right? Yeah. When all the previous shootings happened, and they were male... And they were white, right? Although those are the ones that are publicized. There have been shootings by non-white males. Yes. Um, we were allowed to say there was something wrong with that person, right? But now we're not. And just to confirm this article, William says that Hale sent a message to one of uh, her friends and signed it, Audrey, parentheses Aiden, using Hale's given name along with a traditionally male name. So the given name would be Audrey, meaning she was born female. Now, it's interesting, William, here, because, and I don't know if this means anything, but most shootings are done by men, right? I think we can statistically say that. And there's been much written about it. I mean, Dr. Bradley Thompson at Clemson has great articles about the school system contributing to the shootings and how it's affecting young men, especially. Right. So I don't know, William does just very briefly. Do you think the fact that this person is transgender, uh, female to male, right? Do you think that that has any effect on this having occurred? Like, do you think if this person had just remained a woman, do you think it would have happened? I don't know. It's a counterfactual, obviously, but... Yeah, I mean, it's impossible to know, right? But, like, not to get all toxic masculinity on you, but we know that testosterone has effects on your psychology, on propensity to violence, all these... We know all these things, right? Right. Now, we don't know if Hale was taking any testosterone or anything, but it's interesting Uh, to think about. Yeah, it's it's an interesting counterfactual. And the other thing I would point out is, what were these underlying emotional issues, right? Right. And are we... Because... Like, we've talked about before how there's often, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty. there's often warnings or indicators, right? And um, and so I know that people will be looking for that. But, but Justin, before we get too far down this rabbit hole, the, the reaction is what's fascinating here to me. Right, right. Like, no, completely. That's what I was building towards. Like, dude... The force teaming, we've talked about this before. Force teaming is where, you know, we're supposed to, I, I as a gay man, I'm supposed to identify with the transgender community, the queer community, who I reject wholeheartedly, the queer community, and um, and a bunch of other uh, alphabets, right? Um, they're literally turning this, this, they're turning the shooter into a saint. Like, this is crazy. This is a, 
you know, someone attacks a Christian school, right? And we're turning this this uh, transgender shooter into a martyr because all they talk about is how, oh, no, telling telling everyone that this shooter was transgender is going to literally kill the transgender, some transgender community members. Right. That they're and that's the part in fear. It's like, wait, who's in fear here? Right. Right. That's the part that gets that's the that's the rampant narcissism. My God, make yourself the main character. How was the kid in South Carolina? Justin, can you imagine if, if like, let's say there's a workplace shooting, right? And I somehow make myself the main character, right? Heaven forbid someone gets shot at at at, at a restaurant nearby, and I I make myself the main character. Like I'm worried to go into the into the store now, right? Right. Well, uh, remember Dylan Roof in South Carolina? Dylan Roof, the white kid who went into the the black church in Charleston yes, and started killing yes. people. That was every right? that was white people's fault, if I remember. Right. Well, I mean, I think the guy was a white supremacist, right? Or true, a neo-Nazi. True, but, At but least that's what non- Wikipedia says. Yeah, but all white people are white supremacists according to the social justice religion, right? Right. They just don't but know But at yet. that point, did we ever say, like, oh, wow, it's irrational for other black people in the South and in that area to feel fear right now? Did we say that? No. Also, Justin, did we say that now all white people are li- li- living in fear of retaliation? Right. Right. We didn't say that either. Right. But but I guess the, the power struggle, right? Yeah, because we know how powerful poor white people are in the South, right? Right. Because don't forget, this was Dylan Roof wasn't like, this wasn't like, uh, what's Trump's young kid name? Barron, right? This isn't yeah, Barron right, right. Trump out there doing something yeah. like that, right? This is a poor white kid in the South, right? It doesn't, obviously it doesn't excuse it. What he did was horrific, just as horrific as this school shooting is. But the point is like, the people who should be afraid are... The the other people in schools like you can understand now. At the same time, I don't think it's a rational fear, right? I don't think other schools in Tennessee that are Christian should now be afraid. Like this is some like spree, right? Because right, right. it's 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 still incredibly statistically unlikely. And there right, are some people thing. on the right saying that, right? So it's good that we call right. it out without being. Right, that's, you know, this is the mid side here. There's a there's a farce on on all sides of the political aisle. Right. Even in the aisle but, itself. But there's less of a link there than like a black church in, in Columbia, South Carolina. So you get why other black churches in that area, people would feel afraid after that happened. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So like now for people who identify with the shooter about gender dysmorphia or however you want to define being trans to say now we're afraid. First of all, William. Isn't that a sign of, like you said, force teaming, or as I would call it, internalized collectivism? What do you have in common with this person beyond the fact that this person identified as trans? Because I see a shooter, and I don't identify with that person at all. And unfortunately, wouldn't the force teaming tell me that that's a luxury I have due to my white privilege? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's 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 absolutely nuts and all of this like it wasn't just in tennessee right so kentucky had an issue this week too where there were protests going on at the capital of kentucky by the way nobody called it an insurrection of kentucky did you notice that there were literally people protesting inside the capital (laughs) of kentucky and nobody said that and, and and none of the state troopers killed anyone either right interesting Interesting. But what happened is 
the Senate tried to pass a bill. Right? They tried to pass a bill. Now, I don't know the exact wording of this bill, which is something that matters, right? However, this bill seems to be similar to bills passed in Florida as of late. Uh, it said this article from WLKY.com. So this is a, a CBS affiliate in Kentucky. So I'm going to trust the affiliate in Kentucky. Says that Senate Bill 150, in its final form, bans gender-affirming care to minors, blocks teacher from teachers from using a student's preferred pronouns, requires school districts to form bathroom policies based on biological sex, and limits discussion about LGBTQ issue, issues and it's, I think it means and sexual education classes. So this is very similar to the, the Don't Say Gay Bill, or as it's properly known, the Parental Rights and Education Bill, and actually a bill that Florida passed this week, where uh, teachers are not in Florida required to use a student's preferred pronouns and also not allowed to tell classes their preferred pronouns. And uh, they also expanded the whole... Don't talk about, not don't talk about, don't teach about gender uh, identity the and sex. gender religion, yeah. Right, the gender religion, but it specifically says gender identity and uh, sexuality pre-K to 8th grade. Before it was kindergarten to 3rd grade, this new bill expands that from pre-K to 8th grade and says if you're going to teach it in high school, you need to show an educational reason you're teaching it. Which again... This puts right into the crosshairs the issue of public education. But as we said at the top of the show, all of this stuff, right, as this bill says in Kentucky, banning gender-affirming care to minors, uh, that's something we can talk about as legitimate because do we want to allow someone who – it's the same thing about not getting a tattoo under 18, right? Do we want to allow somebody to permanently change their mind and body with chemicals and – procedures as i call cutting on the body before they their their brain is solidified right i mean we know the brain is in flux until what mid-20s so yeah. is that something we want to allow uh, likewise blocking teachers from teachers from using a, a student's preferred pronouns like kids mess around with stuff all the time like i don't know about blocking them from using it but like allowing the option of using or like you you're not required to like i said the florida bill says you're not required to yeah which i think is a good way to they're trying to protect teachers right yeah yeah and then forming bathroom policies based on biological sex this is an issue of protecting people yeah so these are all conversations we can have but again this has become oh trans people are living in fear about the culture that's oppressing them right now And this is, William, this goes back to what you were saying, and I'd love to hear your perspective on it. The difference between, for me, I don't know, I have a really hard time with this, right? Because I'm 40 years old, and I feel like I'm already the person where it's like, oh, well, you're too old to understand the culture now. But I don't feel old at all, right? I assume when I'm like 60 years old, if I make it that far, hopefully, that I'll start to feel old. And when I'm 70, I'll be like, I just don't get the culture anymore. And there are elements of that now where like people will name a group, like name a, like, like I heard about the rapper Young Gravy recently, right? Like what about old creamed corn, right? Like I've never heard of this guy before, 
So there are elements of it. But I don't think I'm so out of touch with the general culture and the ideas in it that all of a sudden I'm too out of touch to understand why being trans should be this normal thing that we just accept and we don't try to deal with. And there's there's like that there's this many trans people around. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is where it's like. I don't get how, like, they're like, oh, we're living in fear in the same way that, like, you know, gay people were unjustly living in fear. Do you understand the point I'm trying to make here about how this this doesn't make sense to me? Yeah, it it <clears throat> I think every political movement eventually just gets taken over by narcissists. Right. And this is this is definitely uh, one of those instances. Right. Like. I, I wasn't alive during this time, but you could feel the repercussions in the 80s, even, of what it meant to be out and gay in certain parts of America back then, right? That was literally in fear, right? I think things are much better now. Yeah. I, I, I think they are, right? And But we're still living, just like with racism, we're still living in like the equivalent of gay Jim Crow, right? Like the, the the culturally the 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 narratives are still in that in that area, right? Like yeah. the two thousands. Well, can the I just make a point? Was like a a, a golden age, right? The the two thousands to twenty ten, a golden age for for uh basically anything gay related, right? Like it was it was uh acceptance was at an all time high, and I can't imagine the acceptance being as high now with all this rhetoric. Yeah. Although, but, let me just say, William, to back up what you're saying, like, obviously, you know, I teach at high school and obviously I'm the adult in the room when I'm around. But like, I see kids who like play with gender norms with the way they dress or the way they act or the way dude, they say they totally identify normal. Yeah, right. And but nobody says anything to them. Yeah. If like a boy is like, I identify as a girl, nobody even cares. And honestly, I don't see these kids getting mad at each other about pronouns. Like, yeah. They don't like if, if somebody's like, I prefer she pronouns and someone continues to refer to him as he, the guy doesn't get mad. I mean, maybe he eternalizes it. I don't know. But like, it's not like, it's not like West Side Story. You know what I mean? It's not like yeah. you would see where like Matthew Shepard got tied to a fence and beaten to death. You know what I mean? And now that's not to belittle. We don't compare in that way for individual experiences, but we do compare for general cultural trends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I'm going to, I got a, two more things to get canceled over. And the one is, I don't understand this, uh, why banning gender affirming care is so controversial for folks like me. And I know that there's a lot of folks in the gay community that feel this way. Uh, gender, whatever you want to call it, gender affirming care literally is the modern conversion therapy. You're taking people, usually males, that would end up being gay and you're forcing them because gay is not as good as trans in these people's minds. That's you're interesting. forcing them into changing, cutting on themselves, modifying themselves in ways that they usually regret later. And you're erasing effeminate gay men. That's what you're doing. You added a layer to that. Cause when you said modern uh, conversion therapy, yeah. I thought you were just saying like converting people into trans or converting them gender wise, right? You're saying this is how physically we enact 
our social justice religion in the same way that gay people were first to be converted due to the religion of Christianity. But you're actually saying it's a conversion on gay people where you're saying it's unacceptable to be a gay male that you must, because you're a gay male, you must naturally be a female because you're attracted to men. So it's more socially acceptable to be a yeah, female or and be attracted to men. But, but, but take your attraction out of it, right? Because most of these people end up destroying their sexual urge or they, uh, some of them um, convert or go, go on hormones. So they never, never get, they never develop their sexual urge, right? They, Interesting. They never mature. So you're basically erasing effeminate gay men, Right. Well, it's, no, I mean, it's even worse than that. Like, we yeah. talk about this before. If you're going to say that where there's no sexuality butch involved. lesbians, right? That you're right, well, butch right. Lesbians. We're talking about, like, if gender norms are socially constructed, which many of them are, I'm not going to disagree with that, right? The idea that if you're an effeminate young male, you must really be female. Isn't that just reinforcing the gender binary? Yeah, yeah. It's completely evil. And, and that's why, that's why you see, you know, the, uh, you know, there's the gays against groomer groups being so, um, uh, advocating so much. Uh, I think one of their, uh, slogans is like save the tomboys, right? And it, it really hits home with a lot of people, right? This, uh, uh, gets back to that, uh, uh, the Stonewall Riot guy, right? Uh, and he, him getting beat down because he was like, he was basically saying the same thing. But uh, the other thing I want to get canceled over. Well, hold is, on. With uh, the save the hold on with the save the tomboys thing. This is an issue I deal with 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 young girls. Can mm-hmm. I just say for instance, when we talk about like gender norms being socially constructed, the number of young girls who are like, if I lift weights, am I going to get bulky? It's like first of all, there are some female bodybuilders who who are good looking, even though they're bulky. Right. So being bulky doesn't mean not being feminine. However, it doesn't work that way biologically. Like usually the women who are bulkier are on steroids. Like honestly, like maybe that's controversial and somebody's going to get mad at me. Maybe that's the thing that gets me canceled. But these things still exist where like young girls are afraid of lifting weights because of looking too masculine. Yeah. Well, and I know this is going to sound radical, but uh, before I get to my second canceling thing, maybe this will uh, complete the first canceling. Uh, I, I, I've told this story before. The most effeminate man I ever met, uh, it was when I was in college, definitely not gay. <laughs> and the same, I, I, not to throw my sister on the bus, my sister's pretty butch, also not a lesbian. Well, you don't know people's yeah. stories, played, like yeah, and and like, like I, there's a we we're, we're so into diversity in some ways, but then for the trans issue, we have this weird contradiction where we're shoving things into gender stereotypes while saying we're uh, flaunting uh, or or trying to destroy gender stereotypes. Let the right. let let people grow into who they want to be, and then sure, if if someone's someone's turns eighteen and they want to modify their body, like I. I don't know. I don't know in a healthy culture how you would even find a doctor to do that, um, like to do those kinds of things to you. But hey, more power to you, right? Right. To back up your point, there's. I know a kid who um, he lives with his mom and grandmother. He has his whole life. He is straight, but he presents effeminate. I wonder why. Is it because he's around women all the time? <laughs> yeah. Is there exactly. anything wrong with that? No. no, it simply is a fact. And it's just the way it is. Like, it's just ridiculous. Like, like for such as, it's just William. And may, hopefully this leads into your second point. But 
I don't understand why for such a small number of people, we miss such simple things that will help a larger amount of people. Like I'm with you on socially constructed gender norms. I am. If you want to be a boy and play with a Barbie, fine. That doesn't bother me. I'm with you. Yep. I agree. Well, uh, the second thing I'm going to get canceled over is I have to bring this up, Justin. Uh, so right after the shooting, uh, uh, Representative uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, that uh, uh, Georgia uh, person, tweeted out uh, person person. <laughs> well, I, I can't say he or she, right? Uh, uh, brought up a tweet about the Trans Day of Vengeance. And, you sent uh, me this, William. Yeah. I didn't even click on the link. I didn't want to click on the link. Can you please just tell me? Like, <laughs> I don't. Want, I, don't I don't want to know. I don't. Want, I don't <laughs> no, you're. I, you're I, don't. I don't want to know. I, I don't, don't want to know. Uh, but it's it's crazy to think about that. This is an actual thing that does exist. A trans uh, trans day of vengeance, and uh, it's a website. I encourage you not to go there. But uh, but it's now it's now being. Uh, 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 the the website actually, Justin, it actually has been completely taken down. Uh, um, uh, the content that I was posting to, but they tweeted. Is this like, like when Black Lives Matter had all that communist propaganda on their website, yes, and then people yes. found it and they took it down? Yes, this is the same situation. And Twitter has now started blocking the Trans Day of Vengeance. There are some militant like this is this is the you know the the Antifa stuff. I think. Justin, and this is my weird prediction for uh, for this year. I think we're going to see the Antifa stuff move this the militant folks move uh, from from the you know you know when uh, when all the uh, stuff was going down, it was more on the economic side and the free speech side, right? I think they're going to move to this trans stuff, and I don't think this is over on the violence side, right? Just based on the rhetoric and, and the the Twitter response. Um, I think the what was some of the stuff see... it was saying on this website? Like when? No, it, when is I... the day? First of all, is there a specific day? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, let me let me let me see what is left on their website right now. Let's see. Uh, well, it's yeah. all left. But um, ching. Yeah. Sorry. Oh Dead yeah. Joke. Let's see. It's Dead all joke. gone now. It's all gone, man. Let me let me find uh, let me find it on on the Wayback Machine. Hold on. Well, the normies were onto them, so they had to yeah, erase so it. They had to go away. They, they had, had to go, go on the away. dark web. Yeah, uh, our uh, just give me a second. To pull it up on archive.org here. Um, I, I don't know. Just but like, yeah, it's crazy to think about. Like, uh, this was really a thing. Yep, here we go. Uh, the time is now. Let's see. Do 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 do. Yep, it was uh, the online event was going to be hosted at four one. So the, the the day after the shooting, I think, right. Yeah, the day after the shooting. Yeah. It was going to be Trans Day of Vengeance in D.C. at 11 a.m. in front of SCOTUS. So... And what were they going to do? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And this might have been before, right? Like, this might have been, like, last year or two years ago. I don't know, right? Yeah. Um, but but uh, the point is, you're you're starting to notice that people are talking in these violent terms. And they're right? in and these it, violent terms. Yeah, it looks like the oldest I can see is is from early March when they posted this, but like, this is definitely, I, I think this is something to keep our eye on. Uh, uh, not only for uh, our safety, but uh, our sanity. 
Well, right. I mean, I think this is a result of, you know, Marxist rhetoric, right? This idea of uh, constant class warfare, right? If you take the term warfare literally, and the idea that always in a state of upheaval is the way to be, because once you reach any static state, someone is oppressing someone else, right? I mean, it's, it's, you can kind of understand why someone would end up here. I'm not advocating it. It's obviously terrible, right? But you get it. Crazy. So here, here's the thing that makes this like, like, remember when all the bathroom stuff happened and people are like, oh, you guys are making this up, right? Not us specifically, but anyone yeah. saying, oh, it's a concern to let. Dude, how many years you know, ago was the, was the uh, North Carolina contest in, in South Park? Or strong woman contest, sorry, in South Park. Oh, yeah, it was a while ago, right? They were way ahead of the curve. so right? long ago. So long ago. But people were saying that, you know, letting someone who's identifies as a woman into um, the, men, uh, the, the woman's bathroom, even though that person was born a man, that's not an issue, right? That doesn't uh, create the possibility of violence and sexual assault and, you know, psychological issues. Well, I don't think that's true, right? I never did. And we have an example here, which is why it's absurd to me. Like people are talking about like, oh, the trans community living in fear, right? So here's an article from a Wyoming website, cowboystatedaily.com. And this is about uh, women sue University of Wyoming sorority for accepting transgender Member Now, I'm not a big fan of the, the headline, but it essentially is for that reason because of the issues it presented. So seven past and present sorority members are suing the Kappa Kappa Gamma Sisterhood for its 2022 decision to admit transgender inductee Artemis Langford to the University of Wyoming chapter. An adult human male does not become a woman just because he tells others that he has a female gender identity and behaves in what he believes to be a stereotypical female manner, reads a legal complaint filed Monday in the U.S. District Court for Wyoming. So this article has a lot of examples in here about some of the issues, right? So a couple of things that stood out to me is um, these women noticed the issue in size right that he's six foot feet two inches tall and weighs 260 pounds so now you've got someone who can physically overpower them around them uh he is sexually interested in women and it said mr smith has while watching members enter the sorority house had an erection visible through his leggings other times he has a pillow in his lap and then there was another story uh, Smith repeatedly questioned the women about what vaginas look like, breast cup size, whether women were considering breast reductions and birth control. Uh, he wouldn't leave uh, a party. He said he would leave after they fell asleep. And then there was another time, uh, one story that stood out to me. Here we go. She, uh, here we go. One woman did not know Langford had returned. She faced away from the others and took off her shirt while not wearing a bra. After she put on a new shirt, she turned around and discovered Langford staring at her, according to the complaint. Other Kappa members told the woman later that day that Langford appeared sexually aroused during the incident. And then uh, 
he apparently this has happened before where then he would keep talking to a woman and express interest in her right sexual interest in her uh even worse, you know, it says the complaint also says that Langford had a 1.9 cumulative GPA in the autumn of 2022, which is below the 2.7 GPA for sorority applicants. So it would appear that he was let in as a way of the. Oh, yeah, it's, sorority. it's for sure that I mean, if you look at the voting, the way they voted him in, it's of anonymous voting. They made everyone sign their email address to a Google form so they could they could uh, browbeat them into uh, into allowing uh, him in. Right, and that was part of the complaint as well, that it wasn't anonymous voting like normal, because if it was anonymous, more people would have voted against letting him in. Now, William, what what worries me about this is people against the, you know, or let me see this. How do I say this? It's so hard to use the against in foreign language here, right? People who do not like this lawsuit and would say this is oppressive towards transgender people, and part of the fear that transgender people live in would say that, oh, this is coming from the backward state of Wyoming, and that's the issue, right? The Again, the you're not religiously pious enough argument, right? You are a, um, what would they have said when they were converting people? You come from uh, the, uh, the... You're not on fire for the Lord? I don't know. What, are, what would they say? <sighs> It's like you're a savage, right? Yeah. They yeah. would say like these are the savages of Heretical. Wyoming. They're uncultured. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, we, we haven't got into Wyoming yet to be able to redeem them from their savageness, which goes back to the irony of earlier complaining that civility is a oppressive norm of white supremacy, right? Well, they're trying to oppress their or yeah, they're trying to oppress their own civility on the people. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know. This to me shows the real issues. Like I look. Cancel me, right, if I'm not already canceled in this episode. But I don't believe that this person is actually transgender. I believe, especially when you talk about him asking what vaginas look like and about breast sizes and everything, I think this is a man who has trouble getting women, and so this is his way of being around women. And I do think that this is dangerous for the sorority members. It's the wolf in sheep's clothing. This is a... This is a this is a if we were looking at this objectively from a, a sexual dynamic, a psych, psychology sexual dynamic, like this is this is this is a beta strategy, right? And it's it's well documented. So you're saying this is a Whedon strategy, a Joss Whedon strategy. It's the strategy. Whedon. It's the Joss. Yes, it, it, you're absolutely right, 100 percent right. This is the Joss Whedon strategy. So, but like, they're the ones living in fear. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, it's 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 crazy. You got to mention the the I think the pull quote from this that summarizes things pretty well. Um, uh, it was talking about what it means to be a woman. Let me see if I can find it again. Um, of course, now I can't find it. But it, they were basically saying that that. Uh, Oh, I can't find it. I'll find it in a second. But they're basically saying that, like, here we go. The fraternity council has betrayed the central purpose of the mission for Kappa Kappa Gamma by conflating the experience of being a woman with the experience of men engaging in behavior generally associated with women. And that's something, William, that I said way in the beginning. And you can even look at someone like Blair White, right? Yeah. 
Well, let's I tie have it. let's tie it. let's tie it real quick. Remember the guy, the guy, the Stonewall uh, riot uh, uh, survivor organizer of the of the first uh, Pride Parade, the Liberation March. He pointed this out. He was against women face and and man face, right? Yes. This and, yes. And, and that that was the one that really triggered them. And this is pointing that out exactly. But anyway, back to Blair White. Yes. Well, no, it's a Blair White is woman face, my friend. Look, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have all the respect in the world for butch lesbians. I have all the respect in the world for someone who is a woman, looks like a man, and you know what? Maybe they are transgender, F to M, female to male, because they look and they feel more male. I get it. I get it. And you are not operating off of some stereotype of gender norms. But Blair White transitioned and became some over-the-top stereotype of what a woman is. Exactly. It's like, this is the same problem I have with drag. Yeah, I'm shooting this shot today, William. <laughs> right? Why is it dressing like a woman means dressing in this over-the-top way? There is something, it's like you said, it's woman face. Yeah. It's this over-the-top fetishization of what it means to be. It's like there were girls in college who dressed over the top in that way. And there, Marilyn it was like Mo, a group. Marilyn Monroe is the perfect example of a woman putting on woman face. Right. Yes. I, uh, so this is one of the major things I disagree with Ayn Rand about is I think Marilyn Monroe was a psychologically damaged person. I don't think she was worthy of admiration. And I think that her as an image of femininity has done more harm in the culture than more help. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could argue Kim Kardashian is an example of woman face. Woman, yeah, woman face, yeah. Right? I mean, is porn an example of woman face? Because what I was going to say about there were three girls in undergrad. I don't remember to this day what they look like. But I remember I used to have a nickname in my head for them, the porn stars, because they dressed in such an over-the-top manner and did their makeup in such an over-the-top manner. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's, if you're, look, I get it. I get it if in your daily life, right, you're like, man, I feel like a woman, right? In intentional <laughs> reference, right? That was an yeah. intentional reference, right? I get it. I get it, right? And like, I, I, like, again, I said butch lesbians, by the way, who are some of the people I get along with the best, right? Because they are who they are, right? Like, William, aren't, in general, butch lesbians really easy to get along with? <laughs> well, uh, the, the stereotype is for the effeminate gay uh they're the nat they're supposed to be our natural enemies but that's always said half in jest um yeah i i i agree i i liked going uh in baltimore the lesbian bar was upstairs and males had to pay a cover charge i wonder if they still do that um uh to get upstairs but i loved being upstairs more than being downstairs yeah now they tend to just have chill cool personalities and you know i wish they would take care of themselves a little more physically which that's what i think about most people right <laughs> that's true because i think that's true of, uh, of, of everything outside of the gym racks in the gay community i think would fall under that right but you notice how like butch lesbians tend to be like fat right you ever notice that yeah yeah uh, or, or at least skinny fat right but again that's most people right i don't know do you i you obviously you know conjuring this term of woman face you get what i'm saying right like yeah I, I like it's nice that blair white says a lot of reasonable things but when I look at Blair White, and I'm going to use he, right? I, I think Blair White has, he has a messed up view of femininity, and that's part of why he transitioned. Yeah. 
That's always bothered me. And that's, has that always bothered you about drag as well? Drag makes me really uncomfortable because this is why it makes me uncomfortable. Not because a man wants to dress like a woman. I don't give a shit, dude. If you want to put on a skirt, man, go do what you want, right? If you want to dress like a stereotypical woman, do what you want. But it makes me uncomfortable because it's so not real. Yeah, I think I I think that there's been an incredible change as well. Like the drag shows used to be uh more like vaudeville, right? It was comedic and yeah, it would be overly sexual especially in the in the in the in a gay environment, right? But it was more comedic and entertaining and 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 talent focused. I don't I never really liked it or wanted like it wasn't ever something that I was into but you know I've seen a few lately and and Justin the the skill level has gone down it's become a almost a religious sacrament right it's crazy it's a little crazy to me I don't like yeah. going there's a neighborhood there's a neighborhood gay bar here I like the pool table but I don't like going on the on the night where they have the the frankly not good looking not in shape not talented drag person there it's just a it's like you said it's there's an there's a uh there's a there's a a part where if you're going over the top and stylized that it can work and then there's a a part where it's like who are you trying to fool right like what like there's there's almost a sacrament to it, right? You're supposed to stuff a a dollar in their bra, and you're supposed to do this. There's all this stuff that you're supposed to do, and I'm just like, I don't want to. I, 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 how can I just not be a part of this? So, William, I am uh, gonna drop two links here in the show prep from the show MTV Catfish. Okay, all right. One, if you look at the redheaded trans person who I believe is F to M, right? You could see what I am talking about, right? Yeah. And then I'm going to show you a tweet from the most recent episode and you will see what I'm talking about. So the first link, that is one who is just like, okay, I get it. You, like, that makes sense to me, right? Yeah. You are not going over the top with your femininity. However, the second one, it's a still from a video, that is a male dressed in woman face. Yeah. Do you see the two links? Yes. Yep. I saw them both. Yeah. Do you see what I'm talking about? Yeah. So, like, it's just... I don't know. I don't know. Is there anything else to say? Whew. I don't think so. All right. So, let's move on, then. Let's move on, then. And, fortunately, this section was a little longer because I don't really have a lot to say in my review this week. But let's talk about that and some trailers in The Hopeful Romantic with JML. As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation with us during the week, you can do so by joining our Discord channel. Just go to midside.com or the midside.com slash podcast. Click on any episode link, and in there is the Discord join code. You can leave us some 
stories to talk about, some farce you've witnessed. Uh, there was a great one in there this week that just didn't fit the theme of the episode. Uh, it was all about um, how we are sort of like a Russian nesting doll, dolls of the self that's constantly changing. So even our self is a collective. So there's no such thing as the individual. Every individual is a group of collective is a collective of individuals. Very bizarre the way these things are uh, rationalized. Uh, likewise, William put in there about the high-speed rail in California uh, being built for some reason between cities in Northern California that no one really travels between all that often. It's very bizarre. It's like they think if they put the footprint there, it'll make people build it elsewhere. I don't know. Very bizarre. But you can talk about all that by joining our Discord channel. You can also you know, look at the trailers for a trailer takedown. Uh, this week I saw Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Now, William, when you saw the trailer for this in Trailer Takedown, do you remember if you hugged or tackled this? I believe I tackled it. I think it looked a little... Uh, video game movies tend to have a bad, a bad rap, and this is a board game uh, movie. And we, we, I think I brought up the fact that Dungeons and Dragons have been going downhill and really ramping up the wokeness. So I didn't see how this would this would even work out even as like a comedy because it was kind of like trying to be play up the comedy side which also seemed like a weak direction to go yeah i will tell you the comedy wasn't there was it wasn't very the movie wasn't very funny it wasn't like the jokes really landed there were only a couple that landed and i'm guessing that there has to be something woke about this movie because Part of why I saw it is, did you see that like it's being advertised right now with all of these great reviews and how it's like a surprise hit and all of these things? Yeah. And I was like, now I'm curious because I want to see what's so great about this movie. And the thing is, there's nothing great about this movie, but there's also nothing bad about it. All right. And what I mean by that is, this is my one sentence review. If you made Game of Thrones into an entry in the Fast and the Furious franchise, you'd end up with Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves which is pretty much all there is to say about the movie. Look, is this the greatest so about movie family? ever made? Yes! <laughs> no, it's literally about family. Like, dude, oh. I picked those franchises very intentionally. It's, it's, yeah. it's a power struggle where the red, a red wizard is trying to take over this specific part of the land, and they go on quest to get the items in order to stop the Red Wizard. But along the way, they develop a family and they they realize the importance of protecting that family. That's literally also the plot of a Fast and the Furious movie. Yeah. And Michelle Rodriguez is in this. So I get what they're doing here, right? They made a popcorn flick using the Dungeons and Dragons IP to sort of try and do what Marvel did, where you take the geekier stuff, right? And you try to combine it with the mainstream so everyone wants to see it. And I think this is sort of the next point or the end point in the current culture we have now where we talk about everything being franchises and everything being watered down. It's sort of like the equivalent of like, you know the song Call Me Maybe? Yeah. It's sort of like the Call Me Maybe of songs, right? Like, would you call Call Me Maybe a bad song? No, it's uh, it's just popcorn. Like you said, a popcorn flick. That's just pop, you know, just right. candy pop. Right. It's enjoyable to listen to, right? It's catchy, right? Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez, they give good performances, right? The production value is good. Like, there's nothing technically 
terribly wrong with the movie. You know, there's slight bits of collectivism in there, which again is to be expected with what you're saying. I'm assuming maybe it was more was read into it. Like that movie, you know how they made that horror movie, Megan, they tried to make it like, they tried to make her like a gay icon. You saw that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very bizarre, right? There's nothing gay in that movie, but they tried to make it about found family and things like that. I'm assuming that's what they're doing with this movie as well, because there's something about like Chris Pratt, uh, Chris Pratt, Chris Pine's wife dies, and that's sort of his conflict throughout the entire movie and finding his new family and can kind of get where it goes from there, right? But it's not like it's not like if you saw this movie, you're like, oh, I liked it. I would think anything less of you. Right yeah. now, if if you saw it and said it was the greatest movie ever, I'd be like, "What are your standards?" You know what I mean. But it's as good, if not better, than a lot of the most recent phase of Marvel movies. Is it the best movie this year? No. Is it the worst movie this year? No. But the disappointing thing about movies this year so far, William, there hasn't been a really great movie so far this year, and you know that's yeah. what I worry about. That's what I worry. Like, are we not going to get any more sort of great movies? Yeah. Will, will the pandemic have killed uh, the, the the Hollywood blockbuster? I think that's the real question. And I think it yeah. might have. It might have. We'll see going forward. I mean, maybe. So are you saying Zack Snyder's Justice League was sort of the last gasp for the Hollywood blockbuster? I think so. I don't I don't see. I don't see, you know. Marvel phase four didn't do well. Now we're on phase five, right? Uh, Lucasfilm is in shambles. Um, Disney can't get their act together. They're they're not writing good stories. They've killed Pixar. Uh, yeah, we'll see how Elemental be, does. Yeah, it's going to be something I, I think outside the studio system that's gonna that's gonna maybe take off, right? We'll see. Avatar two did make a boatload of money internationally. Yeah, but it, you got to wonder if that's a last gasp too, right? Yeah, but that, they say, people say that every time about James Cameron movies, don't they? That's true. He knows how to make a blockbuster. There's something I think, but he's not going to live forever. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about some of the movies that are about to come out, right? For trailer takedown, I put the trailers in the Discord channel, usually on Saturdays before we record. That's to give you the option of when you want to watch them. Do you want to watch the trailers before we record? After we record? Or maybe you want to alternate. You watch a trailer, we talk about it. You watch a trailer, we talk about it. Trailer takedown. First trailer. Trolls Band Together is the third installment in the Trolls franchise that I didn't even know was going to become a franchise. If you remember when I reviewed the first movie, I said it wasn't very good. Uh, it suffered from Indiana Jones, where Indiana Jones fault, where uh, the main character Poppy had no role in what happened. Like yeah. she could have been not in the movie and it wouldn't have mattered. And then the second one I never watched because they were turning the punk rock troll into the villain, right? Yeah. And I didn't want to watch like the form of art that's about freedom and self-expression be turned into the villain. But now they're doing a third one. And in the third one, they're leaning into Justin Timberlake's boy band backstory or boy band background. Sorry. And they gave his character a boy band backstory where his brother from the boy band bro zone is back. And they're going to put that band back together. And presumably the trolls are also going to have to band together to fight a threat. Uh, this is one of those 
Not everything needs to be a franchise. Can we just let the franchise die? But I guess like when parents find a dependable franchise, they keep going back to it. Just like I didn't know the minions were that popular, but here's the thing. And maybe William, you can talk about this when you talk about this show a little bit. Like I didn't realize the minions were that popular, but then I saw all the people dressing like minions and all the merchandise that minions merchandise that people buy. I don't see people really getting this excited about the troll stuff. Even at Universal, they have some of these characters out, but not all of them. So I, I, don't, I don't really know what's going on here besides the fact that I presume they have to have done the numbers and thought this was going to make money. For me, this is a, a hard tackle. Tackle. Yeah, the music seemed annoying. Everything about this seemed annoying. Music, the animation, the characters... It just seems annoying. I don't think I'm the audience for this, Justin. Tackle. Tackle. Second trailer. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem is another reboot of the Ninja Turtles, this time in the animation style of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and with the creative talents of Seth Rogen behind it. Seth Rogen Wait, playing either Seth Bebop Rogen or... Talents? Come on, dude. He's done some good stuff. <laughs> Let's not act like he hasn't done some good stuff, right? Uh, him playing Bebop or Rocksteady has actually inspired casting on his own part. So yeah. I appreciate that. I do appreciate when he puts himself into a role in a movie. It actually makes sense. He doesn't always give himself the lead, right? He puts it in stuff that makes sense. But here's my problem, William. Can you guess what I'm going to complain about in this movie? No, I have something I'm going to complain about. So I'm I'm curious what you're going to complain about, and if we're going to complain about the same thing. Uh, if you picked it up, why does April O'Neil have to be black? Damn, I was going to say why does she have to be fat? We're both so close. Why does she have to be fat? I wouldn't mind a race swap, but why does she have to be fat? I would mind her. Like, like, dude, I'm I'm with Michelle Rodriguez at this point. Can we just make new characters for these races and I'll go see those movies? Like, <laughs> like I don't, I don't, I don't ever look at a movie and I'm like, oh, that cast is all this. I'm not going to see it. I literally look at what the movie's about. You know what I mean? Like, why, why does April O'Neil have to be have to be it's black? The, it's the it's the erasure of redheads. But she, I'm sure they will tell you. I'm sure they April O'Neil's a redhead some, in some obscure. Well, she's brunette, right? Um, yeah. <clears throat> is isn't it? Uh, I think there's some obscure comic where uh, April was a different race, but yeah, the, the, the every what everyone remembers from the '80s, right? The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cartoons was it '80s or '90s? '80s, '90s, somewhere in there. Both. Um, it's one of those on the the cusp things, right? Yeah, on the cusp. Uh, like everyone remembers that. That's the that's the definitive April. But yeah, that's one thing I was going to complain about. But I have another thing, so I'll save it. Okay. Well, obviously for me, this is a tackle. This is one of those things that I looked at the animation. I was like, okay, I could, I can, I can dig it, right? Like this, this animation style for, for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But Justin, there's not only just the April, there's a serious problem. Think in your head, because you grew up uh, around the same time I did. Think in your head, the distinction of the voices and personality and the voice acting between the four turtles. Yeah, I couldn't remember There's any difference between that. the four of them, yeah. There's none of that in this trailer. This is a terrible idea, right? The voice that you have to nail those four voice actors, right? Yeah. Or even if it's the same actor doing all four voices. 
you you have to have serious talent here. Donatello has to sound different than Michelangelo, who has to sound different than Raphael, who has to sound different than Leonardo. These these things have to be done because because you otherwise you can't follow. You're not going to connect to the characters, and the whole thing is. I don't know if you did this, but my little brother and I, we would fight over who who was going to play what uh what turtle when we were playing around, right? Like you know, like they each had personality, right? And yeah. and that was part of the you know they were each a different take on what it was to be a us as kids a mature person, right? Like like yeah. an older kid, right? It was a take on what it was like to be an older kid. And dude, without that, what do you have in the story? Like what? Why tell the story again if you don't have that, right? Yeah, especially because they're using the cool premise of remember in the '80s cartoon when they had all the different mutants, like yeah. Mondo Gecko and things like that. That's the whole yeah. plot of the movie. So if you're going to have all these different mutants, you need to have the turtles be really distinct in order to very distinct. Yeah, yeah. And the conflict was not just external conflict, right? There was conflict between the four of them, right? Like, yeah. like you got to learn how they made decisions based on, you know, based on their personalities. You got to see that concretely in the cartoon, at least. Um, and yeah. some, someone in the movies, I, I don't think this is Justin. I, I would want this to work because I think there is, uh, there is some value in, um, you know, in the, there's some good stories to be told here. And I think the movies have struggled to do that. And pulling it back in animation, I think, is a good idea. That being said, unfortunately, this looks terrible. Just based on the voice acting and the and the the stupid April uh, being fat and 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 race swapping for no apparent reason, I'm going to tackle. Tackle. Third trailer. Master Gardener is a movie written and directed by Paul Schrader, starring Joel Ed- Edgerton, about. He seems like a former killer or like military operative who is sick of that lifestyle. So becomes a gardener because being a gardener is very life affirming. But the woman he works for asks him to become the mentor for her daughter or niece or something who is um, very sort of drifting, right? She's lost. She has no direction in life. Uh, My problem here is, as much as I kind of like the metaphor, right? The idea of like gardening is the opposite of killing and this person's trying to have a productive life and, you know, a good life and a firm life rather than destroy it. Uh, it just seems like this is too much in the tropes of naturalism, right? First of all, aesthetically it's washed out and slow. And then like when they first said he was going to be the young girl's mentor, I was like, I hope they don't go sexual with this. And then they show a scene that is presumably about sex between him and his, uh, you know, the woman he works for, who's played by Sigourney Weaver, who he's closer to in age. And I was like, oh, okay, that seems like that's how they're going to go in that direction. But then there's another scene later on, which seems to, I mean, it's pretty obviously sexualizing between him and the young girl, right? Where she's like, take your shirt off. And then she starts touching him. It's just... There's so much in this trailer that it's just like, why do you have to tell the story this way? It's almost like they tried to pitch this to A23 and they are A24. Sorry. Actually, let me say this. It's almost like this is an A23 movie because they pitched exactly. it to A24 and they said it wasn't good enough. <laughs> yeah, that's my I'm going to start saying that from now on an A23 movie. So, yeah, this is an A23 more movie tackle. 
Hackle. This, I don't have much to say about this preview other than it was boring and slightly gross. So I'm just going to tackle it. Tackle. Final trailer. Asteroid City is Wes Anderson's uh, next movie. And I don't know, William, what else there is to say about this movie besides it's a Wes Anderson movie. Look, I actually like a lot of the setup here, right? I like, you know, where they're living and I like uh, how it's interacting with the rest of the world and sort of the conflicts here. But I do not understand the forced quirkiness of Wes Anderson movies. I don't. And maybe somebody can explain it to me. But as I said, the word forced, it just, it's, it seems like it's trying too hard to me and I I can't sit through it. It just, it's, it's painful. The, the stylistic choice of the forced awkwardness for me of Wes Anderson movies, as much as I like the all around setup of this movie, it's painful for me. Tackle. Tackle. Justin, you hit the nail on the head. I The entire time I was thinking, wow, if we had given this to a different director, maybe this would be something good. I don't know that I would be able to sit through it. I, I don't know what to say than that, because this has some interesting premises that I would want to see. It, 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 would have, it would have pulled me in, but visually it seems like every frame is just putting this over the top, like awkwardness in your face and it just it's, it's not, not even the visuals for me dude it's the way the characters act and speak it's so yeah it's so like people complain about the village dialogue being stilted and delivery it's so stilted and the way they hold their bodies is so rigid yeah it's like watching like, people clench their ass for two hours it's 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 unbearable so i'm gonna tackle all right well the rule i think for I both of rule. us Oh man! For both of us. I think that I think I would probably watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles only because, if anything else, I would be able to enjoy the animation. Justin, what about you? I mean, man, it's the Ninja Turtles. It's Seth Rogen. Like, there'd be something to enjoy in there. Yeah. I mean, all, just seeing like all the different mutants come out and have that plot line, which was a you know, they would pop in sometimes in the animated series we grew up on. I just think that would be, and maybe it's just nostalgia bait for us, but I think that would be the least painful experience. And I think I'd get some enjoyment out of that. That said, yeah. I don't think there's ever going to be uh, a chance that I see any of these movies. Cause I think with the time they come out, there'll be at least one other thing that I'll uh, see. We will, we can hope. All right, William, that brings us to the end of our trip. What did we learn? I learned that there is a King uh, Charles clause, a royal family clause, and I'm going to start putting that in all my contracts. Justin, what did you learn this trip? You might want to consult your lawyer about that. I don't know the ins and outs of it. I just think it's <laughs> it's very much like the show Succession. It's just very interesting. Uh, I learned about the concept of an A23 movie. It's a movie that <laughs> wants to be an A24 movie, but they were rejected by that company. I also learned that a, a DEI should actually be DIE, D-I-E because that's yeah. what it causes you to do. So, All right. I want to thank you all for listening to this final episode of the Midside Podcast before we get canceled and I get fired from my job teaching. Uh, I appreciate it. You make me feel like I'm not a crazy person talking in the corner of my closet, even though that's what I am. If you want to support the show because I will soon be impoverished, go to the midside.com slash store 
or the midside.com slash Patreon or the midside.com slash locals, or you can buy my, my book at the midside.com slash the cut. That is how we keep the lights on. And of course, our marketing plan is you. You are our marketing director. So why don't you tell a friend, specifically tell a female friend about the show. I don't care how they identify. Even if they just identify as a woman, tell a female friend. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emlesnetsky reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Have an April shower. I think we're, I hopefully we're done with April showers since we got all of that rain last month because it's pretty wet still here, Justin. It's feeling like Florida. Uh, you must have gotten all the rain because we haven't really been raining. So send it back our way. That's one of the things. I actually like that it rains in Florida. Yeah. <laughs>